Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. It's a rainy day here in Austin, so you may hear some rain or thunder in the background. I love the rain. So I am really excited to introduce you to my guest for today. Her name is Aaliyah Lovely, and I learned about her through one of you, through one of uh, our listeners and followers, and I'm just so grateful because I went and listened to her podcast, and I just fell in love, and I was like, oh my gosh, I get this woman, and just her presence, her voice, her wisdom, her embodiment is really inspiring, so I think you're really going to love our conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about Aaliyah Lovely. She is an energy reader, medium, empath, and energy coach. She uses her empathic and intuitive gifts to help people discover and move past their block. She also hosts the amazing podcast, Spiritual Shit, where she interviews guests and shares her own compassion and wisdom. You can learn more about Aaliyah and her services. I'm sure some of you could use a little energy work <laughs> and intuitive readings and energy coaching. Go to thelovelyaaliyah.com and I'll link that up in the show notes as well. We talk about all kinds of things in this episode, how to navigate life as an empath, especially during intense times, how to really use our gifts, how to stay in our lane, how to navigate conversations and experiences around racism. I really appreciate how vulnerably Aaliyah shares about her own experiences of racism and how she navigates being a leader during this time. And I want to say to all of you, all my listeners, black people, people of color, non-straight people, people that maybe don't relate to my experience as a straight white woman, I may not always get it right. I have a limited perspective due to my own embodiment. And I know that. And I'm committed to holding a safe space for everyone. You have my unwavering commitment to your healing, to your evolution, and to the upliftment of our collective human family. I put a post up a few days ago about how the illusion of separation is the greatest illusion that we have, but we are all one. And that said, we have different embodiments and different experiences. So can we know our oneness? Can we love our oneness? And can we also appreciate and hold space for our differences as well? Well, that's enough for me. I really want to dive into this incredible conversation with Aaliyah Lovely. Enjoy. Aaliyah, I am so happy to have you on the show. One of our listeners sent me an Instagram message and said, you have to check out Aaliyah Lovely. Listen to her podcast. She is amazing. You'll love her. And I get a lot of recommendations and I always go and look. And as soon as I saw your Instagram page and when I listened to your podcast and heard your voice, I was like, I love this woman. (laughs) I have to know her. (laughs) So thank you for the work that you're doing in the world, because I know that it's taken you being willing to do a lot of your own inner work to get to the place that you are today and being able to share. So first, I just want to acknowledge you for being a light worker. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. I'm so happy to connect with you and talk to your audience today and just kind of express what's going on in the world. Yeah. We're going to drop in on a lot of stuff, everybody. So this is one of those episodes you're going to want to really take in and probably listen to a couple of times. And we're just going to dive right in because I know that so many of you right now are struggling in different ways. I know everybody 
has different things that are coming up for them right now. And Aaliyah is both a medium and an energy coach and so much more, but also an empath, which we talk a lot about on this show. So let's start there. Aaliyah, how would you define being an empath? What is that experience like for you? Well, given that we are in cancer season and I am a cancer, I am the empathiest of empaths right now. I would say um, for me, my definition of empath is someone that can feel other people's feelings or can feel uh, other people's energy or the energy of a collective uh, unit. And for me, particularly, um, the way that I receive energy uh, often is not only through sentience, but also through frequency and Mm -hmm. sound. So hearing someone's voice, hearing, you know, like when we're watching news or, or things and articles or whatever, through sound particularly, that's where I'm able to read energy. But empathically for most people, a lot of people who don't understand or know that they're an empath don't understand that that level of energy in which they're being drained from their external, I would say, environment is the means in which that energy is being taken out of them. So mm-hmm. a disempowered empath wouldn't understand how to uh, properly make boundaries so they can maintain their energy throughout the day. Mm. And so for mm. the most part, it's it's about how you continue to keep your energy and how you're able to read other energies around you. And I honestly, I really believe that everybody's an empath, but we have yeah. levels of that um, as we start to do our own shadow work and what we've suppressed and what traumas we've been through to be able to acknowledge it. A lot of more uh, women identify with being an empath because we haven't had our feminine side suppressed so much. And that suppression is where intuition lives. So sorry. And the feminine side is where intuition lives. So for men where that suppression has happened over time, then I haven't been able to tap into their feminine side to be able to tap into that psychicness, um, to that empathicness, even, even though they might sense that they might be suppressing it. What was it like for you growing up as a highly sensitive child and an empath? I would say it was actually really difficult because Um, there was a lot of information of things that I would just know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know why I knew it. And to, to speak on those things and say, like, I kind of feel like something's up with her, or I kind of feel like this thing is about to happen. Or um, I used to have dreams that would come true all the time. That would really freak you out. Um, (laughs) And so a lot of that information that was coming to me was often negated. Um, or told, you know, you're crazy, or you're too sensitive, or, you know, things like that. I would, feel the, the essence of my parents when they were struggling with stuff and it would make me cry and just being like essentially called oversensitive. So I learned probably around, I don't know, eight, nine or 10, like this wasn't an acceptable way to be. And I found a way to like really shut myself down. Um, I'm also a medium. So like, I'm I'm not necessarily a practicing medium, but the way that uh, other consciousnesses come to me um, as a child was pretty, pretty difficult. I grew up very, very highly Christian um, to what I would call a cult level almost because we were in church like four days a week and it was, it was a whole thing. Um, so, and there was a lot of suppression of intuition and, and abandoning our own power. So when I was probably five to nine is when I had a lot of my, where I would see spirits and see other things around. And there would just be a lot of information that came to me. Um, even past life stuff where I would pray and say, please don't let my parents die. Um, my parents like, that's so peculiar. You're two and three years old saying things like that. Like what, what would make you so scared that you were going to lose your parents at that age? Who's thinking about that? You know? So it was weird. It was just a weird existence. And so I learned, um, from that early age, how to suppress it, how to quote unquote become normal. And, um, 
stop kind of like offering information around those things. Um, but my dad is also an empath and, and highly psychic. And um, it's also something that he suppresses too. And so um, there was an experience when I was 10 years old where um, a being came into my room and it was very threatening, pulling covers and over my head and, and like breathing on my face. And it was, it was a lot. Mm. And I was able um, in that moment, it was, it was so terrifying. I thought it was my mom because they had appeared as like a parent, like my mom, same ponytail, everything, but it was only a silhouette that I could see. And there was this time discrepancy also. I thought that it had been maybe like 15 minutes that this being was standing over me. I looked at the clock later. It was two hours. It was just like a lot of weird stuff like that. When you were 10. When I was 10. Mm. Yeah. Um, so then me coming to my, my, my dad the next morning and saying, my mom was in room in our room and trying to scare us and she's pulling the covers and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and even making a note being like, I can't hear her feet. Why can't I hear her feet, um, moving around the bed or anything. So, um, he pulled me aside and said, okay, I know what this is. I see them too. Mm. And mm. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, you know, so my parents thought somebody had come and broken in the house or something. So we looked at the security cameras and that's when my dad came and told me that. So me connecting with that part of myself, it was nothing I wanted anything to do with because it was always told to me that it was demonic, that the access through this energy exchange wasn't something that Jesus approved of, really. Mm-hmm. So I felt shameful about um, my gifts or abilities or, or uh, ways in which I was able to receive that type of information. So it wasn't until... I was about 16 that stuff started showing up again. I suppressed it again. And then um, when I married my now um, ex-husband, that's when a lot of that dust started kicking up again. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for him because he was the person that pulled me out of religion, essentially. Um, I don't even think that's he knew that's what he was doing, (laughs) but um, pulled me out of religion and got me to a place where, um, where then I started having to do my own work about figuring out my foundation all over again. And that I essentially would call that my awakening around 24, 25 years old. And mm-hmm. since then have been just digging and diving deep into it ever since. Wow. Yeah. I can relate to so much of that. So much of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing that you had a father who could explain it to you so that at least you knew you weren't crazy. Yeah. Cause I think with so many times with empaths, not only do you have to suppress it, but then you're told you're crazy and it just, right. it, it, it really adds up. And then we turn into what you said a little while ago about the disempowered empaths. So I'd love to really unpack that because I think that a lot of people listening can relate to it. And especially now when we're in this intense time, when there's mm-hmm. so much shadow coming up mm-hmm. from the collective, there's so much unresolved wounding. There's so much fear programming. There's so much that's going on on the big level that's happened in all of our homes growing up at one point or another. And we're, we're tapping into that collective fear and that collective mm-hmm. pain and oppression and everything. And I think it's incredibly hard for empaths. And I agree with you, pretty much most people are, (laughs) are empaths. Some are just even more aware of it and feel it more intensely. So can you define that disempowered empath, what that, what that looks like? So people can really go, Oh, I think that's me. I would term uh, someone who's a disempowered empath is someone who receives everything with no boundaries and feels helpless about the energy that's coming to them. When I was a disempowered empath, it was like, I can't go to the grocery store on these days. 
Um, I can't be around these people to the point of having really terrible panic attacks, mm-hmm. anxiety attacks. I was hospitalized because my heart would not stop palpitating. The amount of stress my body would endure um, from being around toxic energies, not listening to my body when I was around toxic energies, you know, putting up with toxic people. You know, there was there was just a lot of um, explanations or rationalizations I was doing. Uh, around what I was feeling, you're being too sensitive. Okay, get over it. Or, um, you know, that's not actually what you think it is. Or, you know, gaslighting myself essentially over this whole other reality. And um, I would say that the step into a empowered empath was the process of me reclaiming my power and saying like, I'm not going to let this define who I am. I'm not going to let this define, um, you know, the the elements, if, if you will. Um, I'm not going to let that keep me from living my life. And like, how can I turn this into a superpower instead of looking at it as a curse? Because it felt like that at first. It felt like, I, you know, I can't do any of these things because it makes me feel so much. It's such a there's a, a, a quote or something. It's such a blessing and a curse to feel everything so deeply mm-hmm. and getting around that. And so being in that process with my ex-husband, there was a lot of tumultuous and toxic patterns that we had back and forth and having to feel that level of my body feeling always kind of like on guard and that clinch locked feeling of um, my energy is not being my own and being super drained all the time and only being able to return to water. Like a bath was my only reprieve to be able to get and immerse myself in water was the only way I can get myself to calm down and get that sensory overload to, to stop. Cause I think that they say empaths have more motor neuron sensors in their brain mm-hmm. So what we pick up inform- informatically, uh, energetically is a lot more stimuli than someone who has pr- possibly uh, suppressed that part of themselves or don't have as many of those sensors. So that's the way at least science explains it. But energetically, I got to a place where I was kind of fed up of feeling like I was at the whim of whatever was around me. And mm. I was like, can I change the energy around me, like from within? Can I affect that energy, influence that energy? So if someone has something toxic to say or someone's not feeling good or whatever, because a lot of empaths, we tend to uh, placate to other people who don't feel well, because if we can make them feel better, then we can feel good. Yep. And so we yes. often find ourselves in that space of, you know, being very codependent or having to rush to everyone else's needs so we can feel better because the people around us uh, that we love or that are part of our daily life, um, they affect our own energy. And I started looking at that kind of like a puzzle, like, okay, so how can I affect the energy around me instead? How can I reverse this? And started to kind of uh, learn how to energetically boundary myself and look at practices in which I was taking on too much energy, taking phone calls that I I don't have capacity for, um, allowing people to vent and drop and dump their their problems on me. And always being like, I mean, you you probably know this, like as friends and stuff, like we're like, especially women, like we're taught to be nice. Mm-hmm. And we're taught mm-hmm. to like, kind of like where we're already maternal and nurturing most of us. And, and so we lean into that, especially from our, you know, looking at our parents and stuff that the, the women should be there, you know? Yep. And I yep. was like, I don't know if I necessarily stand by that as much anymore, because I'm noticing that I don't even have enough energy for myself to breathe. You know, like I don't have enough energy for myself to heal. I don't have enough energy for myself to look at my own shadows or to journal or whatever, because I've been giving it away to help everybody else heal, but not for myself. And so I started to turn that energy inward and saying like, okay, looking at uh, possible toxic habits that I've had or um, people or the way in which I run my business or, you know, whatever, and making sure that I made space for myself 
uh, in ways that would energize me. And I think that each empath has their own way that energizes them. Um, but definitely for sure for myself, like my home space was really important. Um, getting it to look a certain way that, that visually it looked really beautiful. So that way there wasn't any mental clutter being taken up, um, making sure that I'm taking regular baths, um, or, or, you know, getting away towards water somewhere. Um, so I can feel recharged getting into nature, putting your feet in the ground, those kind of things. Um, and making more space and time for that. And then also looking at my relationships, my life and seeing, okay, which ones make me feel expanded and which ones make me feel contracted. And that's a really good indicator. Yeah. Boundaries are such an empath's best friend in so many ways, energetic and physical and emotional boundaries. And it's been hard for me because I, like you said, you called it, I want to help people. (laughs) It's just a natural tendency. And it's almost like, no, I'll feel miserable so that you can feel great. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where I allowed someone to bully me, pretty much bully me into saying something like offering something that was so out of alignment with my truth. And so I was under no obligation to offer it, but I, it got, he got me in such a place where I, I, I felt compassion. I felt way overstimulated. And it's like, what can I say to make this end? You know, what can I do or what can I say to just make this end? And I feel a lot of people, especially empaths, especially sensitive people, especially women, we end up sacrificing ourselves to make Mm -hmm. someone else happy or to get out of a confrontation or something. And so those boundaries are so, so, so important. And one of my biggest learnings just in life has been if my truth upsets somebody else, that's not my responsibility to fix. That doesn't give Mm -hmm. me permission to be a jerk. However, Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with someone else being upset. Like I, mm-hmm. I have to be okay because I was draining myself. And I think another thing that a lot of empaths deal with is physical symptoms, physical illnesses, yeah. physical symptoms, because it's so much on our body. And yeah. I want to circle back to the anxiety and panic attacks because I raised my hand to those as well. Mm-hmm. What has been super helpful for you to move through those? Well, first, like first, there's a a biological, you know, component, right? Mm -hmm. That the stimuli and the nervous system and the way that reacts to certain types of energies. That's like, I can't do much about my biochemistry. And so I I know that I'm hypersensitive to a lot of like conflict. What's happening in our world right now as a person of color, as a black person, I have often not wanted to speak on what's happening in the news because of how much trigger um, energy happens Mm. around it. Um, having to relive that type of trauma, having to talk about it over and over, watch it over and over, see somebody get killed and hear people yelling the whole thing. And while I want to be present and I want to be engaged and I want to be educated and, um, but I don't want to be inundated. It's really hard to find that balance. And so my biochemistry starts to react to it right away. Um, heart palpitations, stress, my, I, like I gain weight, like if I look at a grape, you know, like my hormone <laughs> systems is still like way off. Um, you know, just as a, as a measure biochemically of like what's, what's happening to me when I receive these signals. But I've started to do some type of like, obviously like meditation. I've done a lot of shadow work around what's triggering me. Mm-hmm. I've looked into epigenetical trauma. I've looked into past lives and I've gotten a better understanding of where my fears come from and where my panic comes from. And I started to kind of break that down. Cause at least for me, if I can look at it logically 
and it takes it out of the, 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 I don't know what this is fear realm. You know, I can break it down, look at it as a structure. Um, just a very practical way to look at it. But something that had had come to me in a channeling a few times is, is return to cinder and the vibrational component of those words. And so in my energy coaching, I talk to people about the, the, the importance of word. They all have a vibration to them, each letter and the way that they put together the way, the reason why it's called spelling is because you put mm. a spell over with what we say, oh, even wow. the word yeah. understand, yeah. we should be saying overstand, you know, like there's mm-hmm. just like little elements in our language that kind of affect our frequency. And I told some friends, like I used to live in New York and they would say, yeah, like, how's it going? Okay. We're hustling. We're grinding. And I'm like, stop saying that, mm-hmm. you know, like when people were out in the streets screaming, you know, like chanting, we can't breathe. And I was like, don't say that. Like the manifestation of those elements are low vibrational. And not to say that people shouldn't be protesting. They absolutely should. But the words in which we speak are so highly important to the way that we register into that biochemical feedback. At least that's what I did. And so when I started looking at that and breaking that down, I said, okay, so when, you know, for instance, I'm having a, uh, you know, argument with my, my sister, I have a sister who uh, we don't have a very good relationship and, um, you know, trying to like repair that and do whatever I could, but like felt like in that empath state, I was doing everything that I could to figure out how can I connect with her? How can I this? How can I that when she wasn't really doing the same? And, you know, she's on her own journey. So I had to just like kind of let that go. But I would get so triggered by this, this action of this person that I love so much that doesn't seem to be reciprocating those things and me always having to over explain myself and figure out like, how can I, how can I make it better? How can I fix it? So I can feel better. And I was like, that's, this is a toxic cycle. Um, I've learned to meditate with that energy of return to sender because Mm -hmm. anytime there was something that would come up or what, this is just not with her, but like with anybody, if you guys can all put a a situation in your mind right now who are listening, there's a situation where, you know, you've gotten a text message from somebody and it makes your heart start to palpitate right away or an email or something like, Oh no, you know, like someone will respond. And and I had to start training myself and saying, okay, return to sender. That is not mine. That energy that's coming through, uh, you know, somebody wanting to start conflict or something that doesn't feel right or, or someone's energy wants to dump on you or whatever. And I started just, you know, like, okay, I'm going to put this spell of return to sender. This is not mine to take on and it's not mine to absorb. And my absorption of it is a means of my desire of wanting to heal that other person. But that's not my job. And like, I, I deeply love and want to help and help others heal. But you have to have capacity first. Like you can't offer a drink of water out of an empty glass. So being able to like make sure that your cup is filled and say, okay, when I have time, I'll, I'll get to this. Now, obviously there are uh, exceptions to those circumstances, but I had to start training myself. It, it was a training process of saying like, okay, I am not going to take this on. I can deal with this, but I'm not going to take it on because it's not mine. So when, yeah. when circumstances would come up and start to feel like they were falling apart, even when they were mine, the energy in which they were happening, I had to go and look from like kind of a macro perspective and say, all right, I'm in the simulation of a game. <laughs> I've made a contract to come down here during this time. Everything is really heavy because this is for the expansion of my soul. And when I see things that way, it doesn't feel so personal and it doesn't feel so like, um, you know, like do or die, you know, like I have to figure this out right now. It's like, nah, like I came down here to do this work. This is a part of my purpose, even when it seems challenging. And in that level, cause I know a lot of empaths also are kind of control freaks, right? Yeah. We don't that like uncertainty. I, 
Exactly. <laughs> so that, that like level of energy, um, the uncertain energy that kind of comes in, it makes you feel like you need to really clinch and be protective over yourself. Um, but in, in that macro perspective, I was able to kind of look back and go, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I'm taken care of. I chose this. I'm here for this. Yeah. So in, in that sense, those words help me relax and help me kind of keep good boundaries, but I don't have to keep my guard up, you know? I don't have to keep that energy of protectiveness that takes a lot and drains a lot. It it does. It really, really does. And I love that return to sender. I'm picturing mail and it's the wrong address and you write return to sender and there's no charge on it. You're just like, nope, this isn't mine. <laughs> Sending it back. Um, so I love that. I think that's a super valuable tool. Something that's been really helpful for me has been not fighting the anxiety or panic because there was a phase in my life where I was having panic attacks and I had so much anxiety about having anxiety that it just mm-hmm. made it so much worse. And one thing that I've done is if I feel it coming on, I just, I go into acceptance. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is my body having a biochemical reaction to thing. Hi, anxiety. I see you. I love you. And I love myself, even if I'm anxious the rest of my life. And that, ha- that really, really has helped because there's so much judgment and fear that I had on the anxiety. And I wasn't really just appreciating it was my body chemically doing what it thinks it needs to do. Because as someone who sees more, hears more, feels more, smells more than most people, yeah. uh, my body sometimes does misinterpret something as a threat when it's not. And so I've really just had to work with my body because I think that's one of the, um, learning curves and spirituality is that we still have a body. And so Mm -hmm. we can understand all these things on a spiritual level and we can know anxiety is, you know, just an experience and it's not real and everything's an illusion and we're loved and we're safe and we're, it's all divine order. However, Mm -hmm. we're still in a human body having a physical experience. So that's been a big part for me as an empath and a highly energetic person is to be in my body and to get in my body and to spiritually your body. Exactly. Exactly. To not fight it, to not think it was the enemy that's going to take me down in any moment because I'll have an anxiety attack or something like that. So has, has getting into your body, has that been part of your journey as well? It's been a huge part of it because I think, uh, well, from, I can only speak for myself, but I spend a lot of time in my upper chakras. And so I'm a talker, <laughs> um, a thinker, you know, like I spend a lot of time in my head and rooting was really, really hard for me. Um, you know, my, every time I would go see a Reiki healer or somebody, they'd be like, Oh, well, you need your root chakra needs and your sacral chakra. I'm like, yes, I know. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> sacral always, and third. Um, <laughs> Always a problem. Yeah. So yeah. To get connected. But then I looked at, I kind of looked at my life. And so um, in the beginning of this year, before essentially COVID hit, I was going to go on this huge travel year. And I had like all these different countries planned. I was going to Spain and Croatia and Portugal and whatever. And I got to Bali and I was there for two months. And then I got to France and then COVID hit and I had to come back. But while I was in Bali, that level of, um, you know, looking, what does it mean to ground? What does it mean to root? What does it mean? And I, I felt like it was a, a concept that evaded me. I was like, what does it even fucking mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, how do we get to, to grounding my feet are on the ground? What else do you want? <laughs> so I started to kind of get 
get out of my head and get out of all of the realms in which I was trying to think about how to improve because mm. I'm a self-improvement person. I'm always looking for self-development. Like I'm always kind of looking for the next thing. And I was like, this doesn't really seem to be working for my whole body perspective. Um, so I took a sabbatical. I took two months off and um, I got out of my head about like, you know, what work needs to happen, what achievements need to happen next or whatever. And I was like, what does it look like to play? Mm. And what does it look like to be in my body? What does it look like to be physical, um, be physically active? I went swimming every day. I was walking or in the sun, you know, just being one with nature and, and getting into that space. And then when I came back after COVID hit, um, I was in this, this kind of limbo of like, what am I supposed to do? My plans were all canceled, all my plane tickets, my program, like everything. And I was devastated because this was actually a repeat of the year prior. And I was supposed to move to Paris from New York when I was living there. And then my visa got pulled. So it was just this like weird, like PTSD of like the situation happening over and over and over. And I was like, okay, universe, you have my attention. What do you want from me? Mm. What do you want? So I got back to Kansas city where I'm from. And I've always felt this kind of sense of, I wouldn't say failure about coming back here, but like my purpose wasn't complete if I'm, if I live here, you know, and I don't know where that came from. There's some like deeper inner stuff that I need to go through about that. But when I got back, I just, I surrendered and I was like, okay, all right. Like I am done running. I'm done up and down and rolling around and like trying to get wherever I'm trying to go and universe, what would you have for me? And to me, that statement was such a grounding statement because it wasn't no longer about where I'm trying to drive myself. I got in the passenger seat and said, okay, take me where you want to go. And in that time, like, and not to say that people shouldn't have action or shouldn't want to, you know, have desires or whatever, but I had been so driven for so long. I'm an Enneagram two wing three. I don't know. Mm, if anybody knows yeah, that. I do. Yeah. That makes sense. Except <laughs> the three of me is just like, what's the next thing? What's yeah, the next we thing? Have to achieve. We have to do. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop that. And that was keeping me ungrounded. I have been moving uh, since 2009, every year, almost like different apartment, different place, different city, you know, whatever I've lived in London and New York, and I was getting ready to go to Paris, moved to Bali, you know, like just all over the place. And universe was calling me back home to get back to my grounding, get back to my foundation, heal those deeper wounds in that foundational aspect of the way I viewed the world. And that was so grounding to me. COVID is grounding for so many people because we've had to kind of go back and go introspective and stop looking externally for things that don't, that, that we're trying to satiate our need for, um, you know, achievement or a need for worthy worthiness or whatever. And so having to get back to the base of that, to gut the, to root even and say, okay. Um, so I got, uh, an apartment actually in the same building that I just moved out of, which was, I was kind of butthurt about, um, but moving back into this apartment and just surrendering and saying, all right, I'm going to stay here for a good, you know, two, three years, I give up, you know, but not in a defeated way. Like, okay, universe, you know better. What does that mean? And that might look differently for someone else to root in that way. But it did take away so much of that external anxiety that I would have as an empath of how I was having to look for the next thing or look for this thing or, you know, whatever. So it grounded me hugely into the space that I, I mean, Christine, I've never been this person and I'm so excited to be this person now, but I don't worry about much anymore. Mm. Like I, I sat, I got my place. Like I had this, um, I had some significant abundance issues, uh, prior and like everything that happened from January until March, um, was this ripping away of any comfort that I had. And I got to this space of like, all right, like I had to get so used to being uncomfortable that like when the worst happened, I was like, all right, 
it wasn't like bother me that much because I had surrendered to it already. And so I, I do feel like the universe has been grooming me in that kind of way. But um, that grounding was that complete surrender into whatever like source of alignment was, uh, you know, trying where it was trying to bring me. And I stopped fighting it, stopped resisting it, stopped being in my head, stopped trying to read the energy and like, okay, what's going to next and let the universe drive. And it's just brought me to this ultimate level of peace. And then, you know, George Floyd happened and yeah. all, I mean, we look, we see the news all the time. It's very, 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 it's what our community talks about. We go, yep. Again, another one. And it's, it's crushing and traumatizing. And in this, this time, because I was grounded, I actually had capacity to be able to talk about it. And whereas before I'd be like, uh, nope, I don't want to even deal with it because it's too traumatic to even look at. Um, so being able to get into that centered place of saying, okay, like now that I have roots in the ground, I have balance for my upper chakras to do what they're supposed to do. It's like an electricity, uh, a fuse, you know, like if you're fused, if yes. your upper chakras are always what's operating, you don't have the balance in the lower ones, you burn out really fast and your sensitivities are like really sharp. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. And it produces more anxiety too, because you're not rooted. So your body's like, where do I belong? You know, the body, the body needs to know it's got roots. It, it, There's no anger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to talk about collectively both, both COVID and then George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and the racial I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, an awakening that's happening in so many ways that's going on. And I'd love to start with, especially for black people, because I think this is definitely hitting all people of color and especially black people in the sense that this is where our focus is. And we're really looking at the systemic injustices and in so much of our country's history. And mm -hmm. when you're dealing with not only your own trauma, your own aggressions, microaggressions that you've experienced, having to navigate the world in, in a way where you feel like sometimes you're looked at differently. So dealing with your own stuff and then also tapping into the generational pain. Yeah. How do you navigate that? How do you navigate both of those things at the same time? How do I navigate that? So first, let me say that as a black person in this country, we're not a monolith. So my experience would be very different than someone else's. And the, the, the ways in which we view these experiences are very different. Um, not saying that you thought that, but just for everybody, <laughs> it's been, it's just incredibly painful. And mm -hmm. I found myself in this space and this, this is from years and years and years of practice of this, right? I mean, I can give you one story. Okay. Uh, when I was 17, I moved to uh, Liberty, Missouri to go to a very, very white uh, private school. And so there were seven black kids out of maybe 1500 students that went there the first year that I was there. And so, you know, it was before there was a Target and like it was just, mm. just a Walmart in this really small rural town in Missouri. And um, so a few of our friends went to go to Denny's or something after a game. And um, me and my friend, Johnny, um, with only black people out of maybe, maybe 15 kids or so. And I'm about 17, 18 years old in college, um, went to college a little bit earlier. And so, um, there was a woman, an older woman sitting there with her sons and her husband, and they were looking at us like, and, and you know, that kind of look, when you look, when someone's looking at you 
and they don't think you belong there. Mm. You learn that from a very young age. And so we can, we can feel and see what's, you know, what's happening. And so my friend Johnny started to get real upset and start, you know, kind of getting louder, whatever. I'm like, you know, quiet. Cause we also have to be careful of the way we re- react because we can be killed for it. And so I'm trying to like calm him down or whatever. And as we're walking out, this woman puts it upon herself to come up to me and tell me that I hope I never see your nigger ass here again. Mm. And if mm. I do, I'll make sure my sons take care of you. Mm. And I'm, I'm 18 years old, like barely an adult mm. and thinking mm. like, wow, what kind of life do you have to live to look at me like that? You know, um, what, 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 what background, like, you know, I feel sorry for you. And it was so, such a painful memory. It's like, it's, it's lasered in. Um, and I have, I have so many of those. And in fact, like for people who can't see me, um, I'm very light skinned actually, because I'm also native American. So my oppressed body of color Mm. that had been genocide on this land is what affords me the privilege to not be as black here, Mm. um, which is irony at its finest. So Anyway, trying to manage that in our own communities, at least the way that we deal with it. And, and as of late, it's been a lot of suppression, a lot of it. And that, like, that might not be someone else's experience, but for myself, it's been a lot of trying not to deal with it and how much it hurts in my communities and knowing that like, okay, my, um, I was a, I'm a wedding photographer too. And so knowing that most of my clients are white, so I can't really speak politically about this stuff because I might offend them. And how that type of suppression, not even getting to speak my own truth mm-hmm. in order to make sure that I can still thrive financially. Um, there's a there's a discord with yourself because you're not able to acknowledge what's really actually happening. It's a form of gaslighting, I think. So um, I had these separate realities all the time. So so today in present day, as we're going through this awakening, I had some visions and some some connections to my my medium people that I talked to that told me that this year was going to be fucking crazy. And we knew that it was going to be this like year of clarity where we were kind of pull back the veil and everybody's going to kind of wake up. I didn't realize it was going to mean this. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for that. Like, I'm really glad that this is happening, but this is the highest level of discomfort for me (laughs) Um, as an empath and as, as a black person in this country, it's Mm -hmm. like, I want this so bad. And at the same time, like I need a break. And like, if you you think you're tired about hearing about it, girl, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, it is, it has been a lifetime of like, why do we, why is our world like this? You know? Yeah. And so the best way that I can say that I've navigated through it is I've been trying deeply to come from a place of love. Um, anger doesn't reside well in my body. It, It tears it up and it makes me sick. And my, my biochemistry is just like haywire. Some people can exist in that vibration and manage that. Well, I cannot. So for me that the, the, you know, while we're talking through all this process and people are trying to wake up and learn, um, I've offered myself as a more gentle voice of reason, mm-hmm. um, because that's my vibration in which I reside. I've had some people call me out on it and be like, you're being too nice and you're being this and, and I'm like, listen, like, it's, it, you know, we all have these different lanes of traffic. Um, I saw some, some meme that said something like that. And if some people need to be called out to their face in a very angry and, you know, like provocative way that works for some people to wake up and others that for other people, it doesn't work like that. And some people need a more loving, gentle approach. So I'm going to stay sit in that lane. Um, so for myself, I've had a lot of people reach out to me 
even friends that have never talked would talk with me about race and finally be in a place of like, wow, I didn't realize that's what you're going through. And I'm like, welcome to the party. Yeah. <laughs> Have a seat. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's been, it's been interesting to, to continue to try to be gentle with people as they learn. And as they wake up, I do know that I feel perhaps differently than some of my community because I, I know the purpose in which I came in for. And I know that it's one of love. And well, like, especially after COVID, everybody, every goddamn commercial that was on TV was like, we're in this together. Yeah. So it's almost perfect timing for this to happen now, because now you're in this unity consciousness of like, shit, well, are we, yeah. are we really all in yeah. this together? And so I think that's why we've had a, a much larger scale of that removing that veil because it was supposed to happen right now. Uh, someone, I saw a bunch of comments that were like, this is a terrible timing for a protest and this and this. And I'm like, are you blind? Yes. <laughs> there, it, it, it's happening because it's the perfect time. It's supposed to happen right now. It shouldn't happen a day later. You know, it should have happened earlier. But I guess this is what the timing of the universe, at least that's the philosophy I hold. And so the best way I navigated is through, you know, surrender still. Um, you know, like I, I love being black. <laughs> mm. I love being black. I love my culture. I love my people. I love, you know, everything about it, except the way that people view black people. And, you know, and it, and it sucks. It's hard to like, especially as an empath to walk in a room and know when you're not, you, you don't, people are thinking you don't belong here or, yeah. you know, like she shouldn't have worn her hair like that. You know, my hair grows out of my head in this very Afro curly texture. And I know that if I straighten it, I'll be treated differently than if I wear it curly. Mm. And it's like bullshit like that, that just takes up a lot of mental clutter. And I just had to, you know, the same way we talked about earlier, I had to, I had had to practice so much longer that notion of return to sender Yeah, in order yeah. to just exist. Thank you, Aaliyah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It is part of what helps me learn and helps me understand or overstand. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I really, really appreciate and acknowledge the lane that you've been in. You're somebody that I've learned a lot from because I really resonate and I can hear you. And I feel the same. Anger doesn't sit well in my body. And when I feel like I'm being yelled at, I feel like I did something wrong and that doesn't inspire me into the action. And so I really appreciate how you've been talking about this, everything you just shared now, because it drops me more into my heart and helps me connect in. And I know that that's the best way I'm going to help and serve is if I'm coming Mm -hmm. from love and not fear and not guilt. So thank you. Thank you for how you're speaking about this. Thank you for how you're teaching about it. Thank you for remembering that you came here for love, uh, because that's what we're all here for. We forget a lot. We think we're here for like a job or to have power or to whatever. We're all here yeah. to wake up and we're all here to love. And I, I remember at the beginning of the new year, I was saying, everybody was like, we're going to crush in 2020. And I was saying mm-hmm. it's 2020 vision. It's the clarity yeah. year. Like you're going to see clear. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like this was going to be like the best decade yet. Um, who knows? Decade's not over, but I, I was feeling this brewing as well. And if we just look at this, you know, from a spiritual perspective, and I know you've talked a little bit about this on, on your show as well. What do you think is really happening in terms of this awakening that we're going through? Why do you think we're going through both COVID and this racial awakening and who knows, and an election year? What are we lining mm. up here? In my own philosophy and what I, so I have this guide. Um, there's Karen. my higher self. 
Karen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny that like now Karen is such a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so she calls the manager to my spirit self and says, Hey, Ellie needs to get it together. Anyway. So she like has, has expressed a lot to me around this time about what we're here for and what's been going on. And, um, as far as I can see it is that earth right now is at its highest peak of catalyzation time. So for the soul's expansion, um, the process, it's like we volunteered to come during this time. I mean, we, we look at what's happening in our world and it feels like a movie almost. It's like this, a one, like nothing shocks us anymore. And it, to see how, what we would, I guess, interpret as horrible is, is this, this uncomfortability that's kind of like propelling us to the next stage. Now, if you believe in new earth or not, or 4d or 5d or whatever, um, I, um, very much fall in line with the philosophy of the law of one. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a channeled material, but it doesn't matter. I think that in this process, it is, it is the massive veil like awakening. Everybody is here to expand their soul. So whatever that looks like, whatever facet that's in, there's a lot of people still holding on to the old paradigm and the old era and the way things should have been or used to been where we were comfortable and the universe makes us uncomfortable so we can grow. So I do deeply feel that like, you know, like everybody's been like this year just canceled. And it's like, don't cancel the year that woke you up. And like in this way, we're becoming better people. We're becoming better souls. We're having better experiences. We're learning better, more empathy, more love, more connection, more unity consciousness. And I think that as a collective, it's bringing us closer together. We stop looking at each other like you are, you are independent and you are this other entity. And it's like, no, we're all part of the same thing. You are me and I am you. So what I do to you that hurts you hurts me and vice versa. So us kind of like perhaps that being like the major lesson of the decade is learning that like, Christine, you and your body are no different than me and my body. You know, we're having just facets of the perspective of the universe to understand a greater picture ultimately. And so that, I mean, that's what I think. I don't know if that's actually the truth, but that's what's been coming to me. And that's where I feel the most purpose in it. And that's why I feel like it's difficult for me to get angry because I deeply feel like if we're playing this game, then this is the role that I chose. This is the avatar that I chose. So I'm going to play that to the best ability and go save the princess, you know? (laughs) It sounds like the truth to me because I'm feeling and getting the same things. One of the Mm -hmm. um, prayers that I got from my guides that they, they used a word that surprised me and said I could share it with my tribe was, you know, to get into a position of just prayer and meditation and from a place of only love, not judgment, not anger, not fear, just, just, just love. And just say, you know, please send divine daggers of light into the hearts of those who want the old way, those who are still clinging Mm -hmm. to the old way. And I was like, daggers, that's not a word I get very often, but it was when I tuned into it, I was like, oh, it's that pointing. It's that strong. Like the love has to be that powerful to bust through a lot of these old ways and these old paradigms. And that's really what I've been feeling too, is that, awakening, you know, awakenings are messy. Anybody that thinks a spiritual awakening is you're sitting on a meditation cushion in Bali and all of a sudden, oh, the like light of God hits you. I mean, my (laughs) awakenings have come when I've been like snot all over on my floor, haven't showered in days, really depressed, like in my shit. And that's, that's where my awakenings have come from. And we're, that's what's happening right now. And the, so much is being exposed, which I, as painful as it is, I, Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that's like relieved 
There's a part of me mm-hmm. that's like, oh gosh, it's happening. I've been waiting mm-hmm. for this and I've been feeling this and it's happening. And I don't know how you feel and I don't want to spread fear or anything. Um, but I think there's more coming. I think there's oh, more there coming. <laughs> there's absolutely more coming. And what the re- the deal is, is like, um, so my, one of my friends, Shayla, she said, it's like when you're cleaning your house and it looks worse before it gets better. And like, you have to pull everything out. And so, and I had a similar analogy of thinking like when we, you know, like you're cleaning your house, spring cleaning, and you move the couch back and the, the you know, maybe you have roaches, <laughs> they scurry, you know, they scurry. And then there's like, ah, there's a lot of panic and uh, 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 you know, you have to clean things up. It is very much that we are seeing the underbelly of the lowest vibrations be brought to light. And yep. to, to experience that there's a lot of shock, right? Because those of us who've been doing the work are like, what the hell is that? Like, how is it possible that someone still feels that way or thinks that way or whatever? And they are holding on to dear life because their way is dying. And yeah. so for those of us who have been prepared or who've done our shadow work and have already kind of started waking up, um, you know, I know that I got a vision long ago that said, like, I, I was supposed to be this pioneer. Like I had, it was a weird vision um, showing me in front kind of leading troops and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't, I don't do war y'all. Like, like, don't put me in that space, but that I signed up for that. And so like, I can't judge those who are, are, who are learning behind me. Not that I'm ahead of everybody, but you know what I mean? Like if, even if it's a month ahead, say you just went through something and then your friend is going through it a month after you, it's like, Oh man, I just went through that. Like, I know what that feels like. You have empathy for that person. You don't judge them because you just went through it. So a lot of this shit that I've gone through up until this point gave me the empathy to be able to have capacity for others to be able to heal. And so like that's given, I guess that's where a lot of my love comes from. And I know that for myself, being a person of color during this time gives me a very different perspective of, of how things are moving and shifting in this time. But the the hurt and the pain and the suffering that I went through prior gave me the empathy for the people who are going through it now. Going through it now. Right yeah. Now. So yeah. I can see with my, like my white people listening, like, um, for those of you who still have a lot to learn, um, you know, I, I put a video out and went viral on Instagram that just kind of said, like, if you're trying, you know, not just trying, but doing, you know, like making that action towards it and you misstep, it's okay. Um, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess yeah. up. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to say something that you're like, you know, but that's a part of the learning process. And I think that those of us who, you know, have been through it and who can help guide people lovingly. But truthfully, you know, like I'm not also going to like, you know, absolve my truth for someone else's comfort, but um, do it in a loving way. Like we can we can bring unity together faster. And so, like, I think that's what that's what's happening. This awakening process fucking sucks. (laughs) It it does. It does on so many levels because it's intense and it's messy and it's yucky. And you see the, the worst part of humanity come forward. It is part right. of it. But now we can see it. We know what to do with it. We couldn't, you can't do anything with any, like if you, if you can't see it, you know, if it's not there. So to un, uncover the depth of it. And I, I do think it's going to get worse and I hate to say it, but at the same time, like it's weird, like in my life right now, collectively it's going to shit, but like interpersonally, it's actually getting really good. And it's weird to have the dynamic of the two to be able to look at like what's happening in my personal life and be like, gosh, this is, these are things I've been waiting for forever. 
And then to see on the other side, like everything falling to shit. So it's been interesting to have to like, especially as an empath to gather up and muster up every ounce of gratitude I can have. Every smile that I see on someone's face. Um, I have these uh, adopted siblings. They're uh, all under eight years old and super cute. And two of the little girls, one of them's two or sorry, three and the other one's one. Um, Just like I walked into the house yesterday for Father's Day and they came running towards me and gave me like the biggest hug and whittling my side. And I was like, just this, this little thing just lit up my whole day, like week, like just that amount of love, that innocence or whatever. And that might be a small thing we overlook in the mass chasm of everything that's going on. But like that brought me so much joy and peace that it was like, okay, I can sustain the rest of the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have three little nephews, so I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. And that's that's what's so important. And I'm I'm touched to hear that so many things are coming forward in your life because I think it's important that in this great awakening, when there's a lot of things that are shit show out there, that we don't feel mm-hmm. guilty for our joy as well. And that we mm-hmm. keep coming back to love and keep coming back to those simple things and can go, okay, it it seems very scary out there. However, like there is a divine order to things and we don't know all the reasons we can guess and make some pretty strong interpretations that are probably true on a lot of levels, but we still don't know everything. But what we can always come back to is that love and gratitude. And in my moments where I tap into the collective a little too much or have that anxiety, I always remind myself to to come back to to love and to those little things like nieces or nephews just running up and filling us with that childhood love and joy. So thank you for that, because I think that's important for all of us to remember that it's okay to be happy now too. It's okay to have those moments too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is so, 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 so enriching. Thank you so much for everything. Where can people, I'm sure people are going to want to work with you. They're going to want to listen to your podcast. Where can people go and find you? Um, so my podcast is called spiritual shit, um, by Aaliyah lovely. And, uh, you can find that on all major platforms of pack where podcasts are, are streaming. Um, then you can find me on Instagram at the lovely Aaliyah, A-L-E-A, or my website at the lovely I highly recommend going and stalking her, everybody. Her <laughs> podcast is awesome. So Thank definitely, you. um, go check it out. Thank you so much for everything, like you said, as in the beginning, for everything that you've done to be here. I know that you've done a lot of your own inner work and have traversed some pretty difficult passages in your life. And I can feel it in your voice and in your wisdom. So I see you and I acknowledge you and thank you so much for showing up to the love battlefield. Thank you, girl. I appreciate it. <laughs>